You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, OJ, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. golf fans, number one, one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. God, that sounds good, Juice. Seth Levitt here. Sounds good, right? How you feeling, man? Feeling good, man. How about yourself, big dog? I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling Tua is in the house. I had to celebrate the right way. And, uh, you know, I I mean, it's it's the first – well, I don't know when we're going to play this, but the fact that we just made it through round one, it was a lot of fun watching the draft. I know we've had some years where maybe we didn't have as much fun, but I was excited to see what Chris and Coach Flores and, and the scouts had put together for us, and, and just the town is going too crazy, and that's the way it should be. So it's Yeah, just- no doubt about it, Big Seth, man. Fun night, man. And, you know, that first round, as we always know, is, is a big round for most organizations. And, man, we got a first round of the day, I think, don't we? It feels like it. It feels like we might have a first rounder in the house, like a high first rounder. High first and, round. Uh, probably one, you know, two would be like, wish he could have this guy on, on the line these days. Man, I don't know that we have a bigger – follower, former player follower, at least not on social media. I don't know how much he's been listening to the show, but we've been trying to get this dude on for a long time. I don't know that there's a nicer guy that has ever worn a Miami Dolphins uniform. Richmond Webb finally dives into the tank, making a big splash. Big fella, how you doing, man? Seth, Juice, what's up? How y'all doing today? Good, Big Webb. Hey. Good. Man, finally got you in the tank, man. Finally. And it ain't too chilly in here. You know, I was a little concerned. You know, I can't swim, but it ain't too <laughs> You can't swim already? All these years in Miami, you can't swim? Like a rock. <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. Hey, but Seth, standing at 6'6", six, six, though, man, you can stand up in most most pools, man. You That's know what true. I mean? <laughs> it's not, not his head above water. It. <laughs> well, it's good to see. I know. I pool with the kids, yeah. I'm going to the ones with the floaties on the side and oh, they that's where you're gonna find me at. I love it, man. Well, it's really good to have you here. I know Preach has wanted you to have you in for a while. I know you got a chance to meet Leon, our producer, who's hiding in the background, man. So we're all just really excited. And uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of Dolphins memories that we're gonna be able to cover uh, over the course of today. But before we get into all that, I just uh, I, I wanna I wanna talk about the fact that. And Juice alluded to it. You're a big dude. You're not a little fella. Were you always big? Were you like big out the womb? Were you? Uh, was there a moment where everybody's like, "Wow, Richmond's actually not little Richmond anymore"? Well, I, I think my mom, when I was born, I, she said I weighed like nine pounds one one ounce. So that's a big damn. Thing. It's a um, big fella. <laughs> and even going through school and stuff like that, I was always seemed like I was always a head taller than everybody else. So. I can remember, I think when I went to maybe junior high, by the end of the seventh grade, I was like 5'9", and then I hit a growth spurt where I went grew like six inches over the summer, so I went from wow. like 5'9 to 6'3", my eighth grade year, and then like an inch or two, and then by the time I graduated high school, it said 6'7", but <laughs> then uh, I think I was 6'6", six, six by the time I got drafted by the Dolphins, something like that, so... Um, it's Is it you shrunk or somebody wasn't measuring right? Yeah, it's not new territory to me. I've been, <laughs> I've been always looking above everybody, so yeah, that's, that's it. Well, yeah, the NFL is always trying to knock you down an inch or two. I know I'm I'm actually five nine now. I was I was five eleven coming out of college. You know what I mean? So five nine. 
They cut you down on <laughs> I think the NBA gives you an inch or two, but the, the NFL, they're not giving you nothing. They take it away. Every little thing, every little thing. With the spikes on, you know, if you get those long cleats on, maybe you get, a, get an inch back. No. no I, 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 <laughs> I, I, you, you were sinking into the turf, man? I, I, you know, I think I was too heavy. Mine stuck down in the ground. <laughs> I, I was a molded bottom guy, yeah. Now, Webby, when you originally recruited by Texas A&M, they, they had you as a defensive player. Is that correct? You're exactly right. Um, I played both ways in high school, but I was recruited as a defensive lineman and uh, went there. Were you a tackle or an end? Uh, it's basically a defensive end. That's back when they used to run the old New York Giants. Three down linemen, uh-huh. four linebackers, but I was a defensive end. Everybody was and, a tackle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> went there and then, you know, the coach gives you the spiel, this and that. Oh, we only got three guys left. Well, I got there. They had moved a couple guys from linebacker to defensive end, next thing I, I was like third. Instead of being the third guy, I was like third team depth choice. <laughs> Can you I'm imagine there. that? So they do, they do one thing to recruit you, and then you, they get you there, and like they always do, they, they, they switch it up on you, right? The honeymoon was over quick, too. The honeymoon was over quick. So I said, man, what's going on? So get there, stayed on my – I got red-shirted, so it gave me a chance to get bigger. I was about 235 when I first got there, end of um, – the spring semester, I got to like 270. And then the next year I went in, then the next thing you know, they recruit more guys. So this guy that playing on Terry Price, he played for the Dolphins for a minute, but he we actually came out together. And he was like All-State. So now he's in front of me. And then I guess by right before the spring, D-line coach comes to me and says, uh, hey, we're thinking about moving you to offense. So I was pissed off that I wanted to play. So I said, if I can play over there, and immediately I went from like third string to like second string, I was backing up. So I was happy about that. And I just worked hard. And that was the best decision they made for me. But I Yeah, it sounds like you weren't worth the shit on the D-line there, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you what it was. I'm going to tell you what it was. De- defensive guys just react. There's nothing wrong with them. I love them. But um, Coach Slocum was the defensive coordinator. Jack Sherrill was the head coach. But I can remember being in meetings, and if we're all 11 guys out there, if I see Juice about to make that tackle, I'm going to shut it down and reserve my energy for the next play. That's not a defensive mentality. They want everybody to run over there because every now and then you think Juice makes that tackle, but he misses, and then, you know, the next guy goes. But I just had too much faith in, like, Juice. I need to save my energy for the next play. So I didn't have the mentality that they wanted me to have. I think I thought too much, and I said, okay, I should have been on that. Uh, offensive side of the ball. Oh, it seems like it worked out okay. Worked out all right. I, I don't have no complaints now. How long did it take for you to get to the point? You said once you went from third team to second team, that's when you started to feel like, okay, this makes a little sense. Yeah, I was backing up a tackle. And matter of fact, he played for the Dolphins for a year or two before I got there. His name was Louis Cheek, eighth rounder for the Dolphins. He probably got drafted in maybe 88, somewhere like that. So I was back up left tackle. And then the starting left guard got hurt about midway through my sophomore season. So they put me in at, at left guard. So I started playing left guard. So when the guy got back healthy, I said, okay, let me go back to my backup position. So we're in the middle of team practice and Joe Alvazano was my offensive line coach. Oh, wow. He was special team coach for the Cowboys. And uh, next thing I know, Coach Sure, everybody looked up, they say, who told you to get out of there? <laughs> Oh, no. So he said, get back in there. And so I, I felt bad because <laughs> it was my teammate. You know, I was like, I don't want to. 
I wasn't trying to take his position. Yeah. I felt bad. It was like, and so next thing you know, I started at left guard and I played there my rest of my sophomore year, started there my junior year. And right before my senior season, they come up with this great idea to move me to left tackle. And I was pissed off about it because <laughs> I was like, I know I can play offensive guard. I've been playing here. I'm comfortable here. Why would you wait like a week or two before the season wow. starts? So we're going to move you out to tackle. So I wasn't happy, moved out there, but it worked out. And I had a good workout at the senior bowl and the combine. But the thing, the thing about it was when I went to the senior bowl, Buddy Ryan was my coach. So first another guy who loved offensive players, right? <laughs> he, you know, he actually talked to me because I had heard that. So I went up to him and I said, uh, "I said, hey, coach, how you doing this?" And I said, "Hey, man, I can really play offensive guard. Is anybody <laughs> I can play guard?" <laughs> so he was like, he looked at me, he said, "Yeah." He said, "He said, now nah, everybody wants to see you tackle, so you're gonna be playing tackle." Worked out. I had a real good week at the senior bowl we got crushed in the game but the practices were so physical i had never seen anything like that i can remember we would be doing one-on-one pass rush and it would be about i'm say 20 or 30 scouts all with yellow legal pads and they were sitting there and watch each individual one i was like man there's no way i'm gonna let somebody beat me now because the senior bowl is one of those games that you're stopping either prize right or contagion i said man i've come too far it ain't going to happen today. So that was the best thing for me. It helped me actually move up to draft because I was projected to be like a late first rounder that moved up to the middle. And I just did the right steps to help me get up into being a top 10 pick. So everything worked out good for me. That's crazy to me, Juice, when I hear that. Because I, I feel like Richmond Webb was born to be a left tackle. Yeah, like like exactly from the right. moment, you know, I don't know, someone tried to take his toy and he gave him a forearm and knocked him <laughs> out. You know, I just feel like, so to hear that, that journey and it really wasn't until your senior year and you were still trying to sneak back to guard at the senior bowl is crazy to me. I, I wouldn't have been too happy with you, Seth, and you said that I was at the senior bowl like I've been born. I'm like, look here, bro. Wow. I need to talk to my guard position. Right? I might not have had the courage to tell you that, but I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, buddy, right? That's crazy to me. Well, listen, they were all right. You know, they, they all figured, you know, it worked out pretty well for you and, and for the Dolphins um, and for Dan and for a whole lot of us. So you had this standout career. And hearing the story now, uh, by the time you went through that senior bowl and, and clearly did well in those drills, you moved up the charts, had that high, high grade. What were the expectations? Like, did you, had the Dolphins been talking to you? Did you, you know, I mean, it's so different now. And, and it's, it's interesting to have this conversation as we're literally in the middle of the draft right now. But it, it's, you know, now they talk to a hundred different guys. And, and so guys, I feel like guys have a better feel for where they think they might go now than maybe they did back then. But what were your expectations? Had the Dolphins given you any love? Did you think there was a chance you could end up in Miami? Yeah, you know, uh, Coach Sandusky came to see me down at uh, Texas a and I remember he came down. Coach McNally from the Bengals, uh, he came down. And it was a scout, I want to say, from the Atlanta Falcons came down. So I was kind of back then, if I really didn't know you, I pretty much asked and answered, you know, whatever you asked me, but didn't try to keep. The, so I remember the conversation we was in this, we was in the weight room and he kind of talked to me and this and that, but I just wasn't real talkative. I would ask, I was cordial and stuff, but he probably said, man, what's wrong? You don't want to go to Atlanta. Just say it, man. Just say it. <laughs> so um, I can even remember uh, this is a true story. I was at the Senior Bowl, 
and it was so crazy, like back at the hotel, that you know I would um, try to get to my room or whatever, and I can remember I saw uh, Mean Joe Green, and it was another coach, and I came, I was walking through the lobby of the hotel, and you know how you can see somebody's eyes just beaming on you, and they start <laughs> walking toward me, and I saw them in my peripheral vision. I said, oh, man, I don't want to talk to those guys. So I started trying to walk faster to get down. <laughs> Richard, did you not realize you're trying to make a good impression to make some money? Like, what? <laughs> why are you hiding from everybody, man? I, I just, <laughs> I'll just tell you how it would. You know, I was just, <laughs> so now I, I didn't want to go hang out. Or nothing. I was just kind of like to myself. And my roommate was uh, Chris Warren. He was running back with Seattle now. Seattle, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you want to go out? I was like, no, nah, but we was cool. And uh, I almost made it out of there, and I heard Joe Green speak. He was like, slow down. You're not in that big of a rush. I was like, oh, man. So I stopped in my tracks, and it was actually pretty cool. Once I talked to them, and they remembered it. They took it. We remember when you played, uh, we played Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl one year. That's when they had Tim Brown and all that. So you had a really good game and this and that. Man, it was it was just too much traffic, too many people I didn't know, a bunch of executives. And I, I just said, man, let me just try to stay focused. But it was it was uh it was different, but I wasn't a real talkative guy. I was just trying to take care of my business and, and move on yeah. to the next phase. So then who when you had to talk when you got drafted, right? Who who made the call? Was it Coach Shula? Who actually called you on draft day? And well, um Coach Sandusky called me that morning uh, before the draft. I believe it was the Saints called before the draft and the Raiders, they called before the draft. And everybody said, we're going to take you, but we, we think you're going to be off the board. So, you know, you hear that. And I was just like, I hear you, but until it happened, I ain't buying into it. So I, just <laughs> said, okay. so I can remember like yesterday, I think Junior Sal went the fifth pick and then the guys, Swami, uh, Tom Jackson, uh, Mel Kuyper and Joe Theismann was the crew on ESPN back then. I was at home in Dallas watching it. And then I think the Bears had to pick, and they was like, well, they could use a tackle. And they took uh, Mark Catteria from SC. He was a safety. Then the seventh pick was Detroit, Andre Ware. They had to run and shoot, so I knew that wouldn't happen. Eighth pick was Chris Singleton for New England. And as soon as they took him, my phone, and I pick it up, and it was Coach Hill. He said, hey, you ready to be a Dolphin? I said, yes, sir. So, I was so happy because I was nervous. But once you get that call, it's like I could breathe, I could relax. So I was happy. And then um, later on that night, it was the NBC affiliate station in Dallas. So, hey, we want you to come down. They want to pipe me into Miami. So I think it was uh, NBC in Miami. It had to be. And uh, they said, hey, what do you think of Coach Shula? I said, oh, man, I was happy to go to Miami. I said, hey, you got a nice tan. It looked like you wore shades on the sideline. And, and so uh, they got a quote, cause, quote from uh, Coach Sandell. He said, man, is he in for a Oh, I bet. Stop. So <laughs> from that point on, I get there, and uh, <laughs> I find out about the 12-minute run and all this kind of stuff. You know, that's a whole other story. And uh, I said, man, this dude is crazy. But then I figured out, I said, from this point on, I'm not going to really be doing a lot of talking because I put my foot in my mouth. So I would always kind of let Keith do the talking. I was more <laughs> the quiet one. He didn't mind. Keith was a spokesman. So whatever I needed to get said, I kind of like talked to Keith about it. I know he didn't have a problem saying it. So uh, that's the way I kind of got out what I needed to get out. That's what's up. Webby, you know, we, we both know about that first round, but you personally, 
I mean, I didn't get any phone calls before the draft. That's for damn sure. Really? You know what I mean? Not a, not a one. Not a one. And we both got that call from Shula. But yours came a lot earlier than mine did. <laughs> yours. It was, it, it was it, you know, the draft now, I was able to, fortunate to go. The Dolphins asked me to go last year to Nashville. It's a true production. It's totally different. Uh, when, I, when I got drafted, the draft – First round was on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, and I think each team got like 15 minutes or whatever. I was at home in Dallas with my parents. You know, my brothers and sisters was there this night. But, you know, I understand the COVID-19, but, you know, people's family stuff, they had a little green room, the red carpet, all that. It's, it's, it's a whole – the NFL does an amazing job with the draft. Now, it has changed so much from when I got drafted. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, being the ninth pick, though, that means a lot of money as well. You know, I know about, you know, how they treat first-rounders, man, but <laughs> what we read, Big Web, tell me if this is true, we read that you, know, you were scheduled to make more money than Marino. Is that true? Well, when you take <laughs> the signing bonus and all that, you know, um, I think when – this is how much the NFL has changed. I think before – when I got there, I don't think Dan's base salary was a million dollars in that – or maybe it was 1.5. I can't remember. That's insane. It, you it, got it to the million-dollar threshold. It, 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 was, it, was, it was different, and that was before free agency. So when you got right. drafted by a team, you had to work out a deal with them. You couldn't say, my contract's up, and I'm going to go negotiate with 32 other teams. So free agency was a good thing for the players. But, um, yeah, uh, I think with the signing bonus and everything, I might have made more than that year. But that was – Salary that wasn't endorsements and everything. So you know, <laughs> what most of your teammates don't give a damn where you get drafted at. You know they know you're a first rounder, a high first rounder, and they want to see how much money can we get off of Webby? Can we get him to take us to dinner? Can we get him to do this and that? How much was that in, in, involved with you? I know I got you know I had to go buy Snapple across the, you know across town. I had to you know go buy Krispy Kreme donuts, all kinds of things. How did they come at the number nine overall pick? Well, see the good thing with you, Juice. You was a receiver, but the only difference with me was I was a lineman. Of course, I had to buy breakfast, stuff like that, but it was me and Keith. So one week, I might have to buy Keith. Buy. So it wasn't as bad, and we was in the hood over there. You know, we was over there at St. Thomas. You you, you, didn't, you didn't touch St. Thomas over there, did you? Julie? I had one mini camp there. One <laughs> mini camp, too many. One too many. <laughs> so it, it was a whole different world, but it, it was uh, – it was uh, it was cool, but it was good that me and Keith were rookies together because we kind of split it up. So it, it, they didn't hit my pockets as bad. But um, I can remember, <laughs> I can remember. I guess we come in from minicamp. We have the the bank. Remember how you had a banquet or whatever with the yes. draft picks and all that. Juice so knows it well. Yeah, what you know, <laughs> I'm standing in line, this and that. So you know, I'm probably gonna be one of the last ones. So no, I think they announced us by number. Yeah, because I remember I was back there with Clayton. And so coming from Texas A&M, College Town, Juice, you probably similar, Penn State similar, this and that. But then you come to Miami, there's, you know, flash and dash, this and that. So I can remember, you know, my normal attire for some at A&M was navy blazer, khaki slacks, and like some penny loafers with a little penny or something like that. And so I'm standing back there with Clayton and those guys and, you know, they're back there clowning this and that. And, you know, Clay's probably the smallest guy back there. We, can we cuss on this show? Of course. <laughs> you know, Clay comes to me and say, you fucking first round. Don't let me catch you in no shit like that again. <laughs> <laughs> clothes, stuff like that. So it was, it was funny at the time. 
bound like, man, this is the littlest dude on the team. He's handling <laughs> me like this. You know what I'm saying? But I, I had respect for him because I remember watching Monday Night Football, him and Duke and all that. Those guys took good care of me. It, it was funny at the it wasn't funny at the time because I couldn't change my car. That's all I had. But I said, okay, I'm going to have to go buy me some clothes or something now. These guys here, they're riding me already. Well, that, that gives us a little history, Juice, as far as uh, I know there's something else you want to talk about. But the, the Richmond that I worked with didn't wear penny loafers and, uh, and blue blazers. <laughs> no, no. He sure didn't. He sure didn't. I, Richmond had some of the baddest suits you know, on the planet, you know, you get on that plane back then, you, you talk about it. Richmond had probably the, the most material ever used for a suit. That's for one thing. <laughs> and it's probably, it's so much material. I think he had to have, you know, he still had the, he still had the Navy, the Navy jacket, but the pants couldn't match because they were out of material for that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> they ran out of material. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can only do one or the other. Come on, man. They can only do one or the other. They couldn't do both at the same time. So it, it was it, still it, sharp. It made me step my game up, man. And, uh, you know, oh, actually, yeah. when I started getting into it a little bit, I used to like dressing up for the games. But it, it was funny because I had such a good relationship with my teammates. I knew some stuff that I wore was going to draw attention, but I knew the guys was coming for me. I knew it was going to be yeah. some jokes and stuff like that. But I had on the swivel, all, huh? Fun, but, man, I, the good group of guys we had when I played, it didn't matter to me because I, I got along with all my teammates and I knew it was just genuine love. So I, I could take the jokes that, uh, yeah, it, it was good times back then. Webby, it didn't matter what you wore. You're going to hear it no matter what, whether you were sharp, <laughs> sloppy, in the middle. I would stretch out there with some of the colors. You know, right. you, you might have swore I grew up in the Caribbean. It was Miami. That's it. That's it. That's hey, it. Big Seth, with gators to match, like all the colors, you know, his, yeah. shoes, his shoe game was on point for sure. From top to bottom, huh? I love it. I love it. I just remember double-breasted suits. That's it. You got to coordinate. I, I remember the largest double-breasted jackets I'd ever seen in my entire life. But at that point, he was, you know, he was a, a, a vet by the time I got in there in 96, you know, so he was doing more of the clowning to the younger guys. Yeah. Hey, I do remember that. One that thing is, they made us do, man, You once you got in the locker room, you had to find yourself a tailor. You couldn't go off the rack at that point or you'd get clowned the whole time. Well, I like how guys would bring in, right, different people would bring in their tailor. You know, everybody had a little something on the side. Yeah. So then they were trying to, you know, who was cutting out whose guy. And, and sometimes if they weren't the approved guy from the head coach or Tony Eggles didn't bring him in, <laughs> they had to sneak him in the side. You know, they were measuring people out in the car and stuff because they wouldn't let him. Tony Eggles was wearing some tailor-made suits. And, you yeah, know, he was. So, yeah. He, he, yeah, because everyone you bought, he probably got whatever they cut from the material. <laughs> Tony was getting... Somebody was getting two free ones for him, man. We got rich. Whatever they got left over, we 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 something out of it. Yeah, you know he had a little side hustle going on. Preach, what were you about to say? I remember sitting at the front desk checking in the players where we departed for our charters with Stu. You know, uh, Road Dog Stu would be with there with me, and and just Richmond had this like blueberry pinstripe, like it's almost a purplish blue suit, and it was just like beautiful material, and it was just just the style. It was just cut down like mid thigh. The jacket would go down at the time. The jacket would go all the way down to like mid thigh just like how in the world is this piece of fabric <laughs> how much fabric is in this i mean you're just a monster of a man yeah were they charging you extra for that man i mean i can't imagine you're like hey our suits cost this but your suits are going to cost this plus it just get they just always told me what it cost they didn't tell me what it normally costs yeah <laughs> yeah so you've mentioned his name a couple times already and there's no way we could talk about richmond without talking about keith sims for sure and not because it makes either one of you a lesser player it's just that's how 
not only how, how talented the two of you were, but it seemed like even from afar, just how close you guys were over the seven, eight years that you played together, almost like the two of you were inseparable, not just on the field, but from what I've heard from those guys in the early years, and Juice, maybe you could co-sign on this. They said that, you know, you couldn't see Richmond and Keith walking down the hall, that Keith would always have to be on, right? <laughs> Keith right. would be on his right side. If you guys sat down at dinner, he had to sit on the same side, you know, like, like you guys almost were in sync everywhere you went. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else before Webby chimes in. You should have seen them trying to get in this 500 SL convertible together, right next to each other. <laughs> together? <laughs> Big Web. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, Big Web. <laughs> we got to ride together, you know. So you had to drive every time then, right? Because he had to sit on your right. It was nice. But, you know, have you ever noticed something, especially with big guys, they always love the smaller cars? And then yeah. if it's a smaller guy, he always wants to. <laughs> the big four door beans is kind of like I remember when I first met Higgy. Higgy had the big <laughs> white Mercedes with the white rims. You know, that's kind of where I put my white rims on there from Higgy. But I had a two door, I had the big body two door, but Higgy had that one. I was like, man, Higgy's five seven. This man, probably got the biggest car in the parking lot. But that that was always strange. To me. Yeah, I think compensation is the word. That is. <laughs> I think that's what he said. <laughs> But, you know, it was, it, man, it was a match made in heaven, and it was just, we didn't intentionally try to do that, but you're right, normally if we were walking, he would always be to the right of me or whatever, and it wasn't like we just consciously did it, it just, it just happened, but that was the best thing I think that happened, and, you know, it, it was, it was a lot of questions, especially after uh, you take the left tackle, left guard, but then not only that, you put them on the blind side and not on the blind side, but the blind side of Dan Marino. Yep. And, you know, Dan was already Hall of Fame status when we got there. So the magnifying glass was definitely on us. And the thing that I always kind of focused on, my motivation was I don't want to be the guy that's, that's remembered of getting this guy hurt. So <laughs> that was, that's what kept me at that level. And just now I say, you don't want to go down in Miami as that guy that remember. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He's the one that, you know, remember Dan Marino? He was playing, but that's the guy that I didn't want that. So whatever it took to try to get the job done, I would do it. But it, it made it a hell of a lot easier with, with Keith Sims on the side. Of it. Yeah, I feel you on that one, Webb. You know, when Clayton and Duper leave, I don't want to be that guy. They say, well, they had they, Clayton and Duper, but then they drafted McDuffie, and everything went downhill from there. You know what I mean? I feel that pressure that you had to have felt at that point. But, but you, you know, the good thing about it was it was pressure, but it was a real disciplined group. So it was like I remember coming in with Marino and all Marino, Clayton, Duper. When it was time to work practice, you didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Everything was already in place. You just fall in line and say, okay, yeah. you got to match their intensity, this and that. And when you see guys of that caliber working, you're like, okay, if they doing it, I got to do it too. And so that was just kind of the norm there. And I think that's something that Coach Shula has set up. And I think that's why it was easier to probably just transition in and just, you know, do what we did. Yeah, you, you talk about it, man. And, I mean, it's obvious to all of us that you and, and of course, Keith were brought in to, to protect Danny and look out for our number one asset, and, you know, and go out there and, and do that job. And, of course, the, the left side, the back side, that blind side, is a, it's a tough position for anybody when you got the Hall of Fame quarterback there. But also, you know, we know you were also brought in there to block Bruce Smith. I mean, Bruce Smith to Buffalo twice a year and, and what he was doing. And, you know, we, we've had other guys on the show that – you know, that left tackle position always needs a little help from a tight end for running back. But they brought you in there because, you know, they figured you could handle 
Richmond. You can handle Bruce on that one-on-one situation. So that had to be a big part of it, too. How clear was it to you that you were brought in basically to stop Bruce Smith against him? Well, it, it didn't take long to, to figure that out. And um, I think by the time me and Keith came in, Dan probably was in his maybe eighth, going into his, I think his eighth years. So when you got a valuable asset like that, it, it didn't take long to understand. But that was our nemesis. And especially when I got there in, in 1990 and playing against them guys. And then when the first time I played against them, I was like, okay, now I know this and that. We did some slide protection and this and that. But I said, no, nah, this guy's the real deal. Get ready for four quarters of hell and run past no matter what. You just got to fight, dig, scratch, get the job done by any means necessary. And playing against that guy, that made me raise my level of play. But, yeah, it was no question that was the guy that, that you had to stop because he could change the momentum of a game with a sack or a big play or whatever. He was that type of caliber player. So uh, playing against him two or three times a year was definitely a handful. That, that was more than enough for me. Yeah, I, Juice, I always thought, you know, Richmond, I don't know how you got the number 78. I'd be curious to know, but – I was like, damn, maybe they just put 78 on him so he didn't forget who he was. <laughs> There's one guy we need you to worry about out there, and he's wearing the same damn number as you. Yeah, you know what? When I first got there, Bobby Monica was the equipment guy, and uh, he said, um, he said, hey, what number you want? So I said, first I said 79 because I wore 56 in college, which I know I wasn't going to be wearing in the NFL. You know, you got to be almost like a center or something to wear a 50, 50 number or whatever. So I said, give me 79. He said, well, um, I can't remember who the guy was. He said, no, somebody already got 79. And he was about to say, like, oh, I can take that. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Too nice. <laughs> said, give me 78. And now I'm kind of glad I did get 78 because, of, you know, Anthony Munoz wore that number, which I held in really high regard. So I said, okay, it's cool. Rightfully so. so. That's how I got 78 right there. Yeah, there's also rumors, and I was talking to Troy Stratford the other day. He said, for the first time in Bruce Smith's career, they moved to the other side to try to come at Danny because you were holding him down on the left side. He had to move to the other side. Is that true? Well, I just know when I got there, he was mainly on my – that he would move around sometime over the center, over right. They would try to put him in a position. He's so to modest, too. I know. I know. <laughs> They're trying to get him away from your big ass. You can say that. (laughs) I think, matter of fact, this was my freshman year, Juice, and we had played them the first early in the season. We played them down in Miami. We beat them. It was hot. The the humidity jumped on this and that. So we went to to Buffalo late in the year. It's probably December, another shootout that they ended up beating us. So we got to go back for a playoff game. We went 12 and 40, went 13 and 3. So what happened was, I can't remember the, the TV show or whatever, but Keith Sims and Tim McKire were on this, oh. this uh, TV show, this and that. So Tim McKire was very outspoken. <laughs> yeah. Defensive back, anybody know him, this and that. So, you know, he's talking whatever, this and that. And so he gets Keith on there. So they start asking Keith about Buffalo, the defense, uh, McCarr said, no, just go and say it. You know, come on, come on out with it. Just hypes him up. And, you know, Keith comes out and says, well, I'd rather run away from Bruce Smith. Not rather run at Bruce Smith than run away from him. Oh, boy. And, he, you know, he gave – he kind of broke down the whole defensive line, what he thought their strengths, weaknesses were. This and that. Well, somebody videos the tape and, and sends it to Buffalo, right? <laughs> so they send the tape to Buffalo. So the next thing I know – they come out for – I can't remember if the offense got announced before Buffalo, the defense got announced. So, just like y'all said, we will always be standing right beside each other, me and Keith. So, 
when they would announce Bruce Smith, it would just sound like they was almost booing because he would run through it. Right. Like, he runs and he looks over at the sideline and he starts pointing like this here, right? <laughs> so everybody looks at me and I'm like, <laughs> so the key, you know, we kind of look at each other. I was like, no, he's not pointing at me. So we get in the game and we're having success. And really what Keith said, what, it was true. You would rather run at Bruce because you just couldn't cut him off. And that's what he was saying. It wasn't nothing negative, but Bruce took it the wrong way. And well, so, the right way. He motivated himself. Oh, man. It was like a TV timeout juice and we're in the huddle. <laughs> and then uh, Bruce comes up and he said, hey, guys, school's in session. And it's going to take more than one guy to block me. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> really? I'm like, man, y'all. But it was funny. And we kind of <laughs> laughed about it. But it was funny because... Each guy, like I think Cornelius, I'm trying to think of the other two guys. It wasn't Ted Johnson wasn't there yet. But they each took times trying to line up over Keith Sims to beat him. He held his own, but it was like they was all pissed off about the oh, tape. Man. Was like, man, it was that was one of those funny stories where I was like, man, that, this is this is wild. That is hilarious. Yeah. But Bruce wasn't a big talker, but I can remember him saying that back then. That was that was a funny story. Yeah. All right, well, we're talking about Bruce Smith, and again, it's like we can't talk about Richmond Webb without talking about Keith, and we have to talk about Bruce Smith. But I just, you know, you start doing the research, Richmond, and the pass rushers that you had to face in your career, you know, give the Dolphins credit for getting ahead of the curve. You had Bruce, who you had to face two, three times a year, like you said. Uh, Reggie White was in that era. I imagine maybe some other guys like a John Randall, if you faced him ever. They're just some, not only just Hall of Famers, but if you look at Bruce and Reggie, those are, and then you throw in JT, right? So you got a young JT you used to practice against. Those are like the only first ballot Hall of Fame defensive ends in the last 30, 40 years. What was it like facing that level of talent? And then how did you, did you have to approach your game different with each guy? Did you have to be prepared differently for a Reggie White than you did for a Bruce Smith? Well, the good thing about Reggie, he was on the other side, thank goodness. But we can just start it off first preseason. The guys I first 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 game was Richard Dent. Uh, Another Hall of Famer. Was, I want to say the Philadelphia Eagles, Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown was over Keith Sims. My God. Golick, and of course Reggie White. So that was Third game was, um, I want to say, Denver. They had Simon Fletcher and Carl Mecklenburg. Fourth game was Chris Dolman, Millard, Henry Thomas. So that's two Hall of Famers right there, even before that's in preseason. More than two. It's nuts. And then I know my rookie, I think we played him again. So Clyde Simmons played against uh, LT my, my rookie year. Bruce Smith and Derek Thomas who played him in, in, the, in, the, in the playoffs. But um, it was it was a challenge, and like you said, it was different guys. Some speed, some was, and I can remember playing. I think it's about the third or fourth game. We're playing in the Meadowlands, and we're playing against the New York Giants. And you learn to study film, and so normally, LT is on one side, Carl Banks is on the other side. Well, this third down play, they bring LT and Carl Banks. On the same side, and I, I knew that was um, trying to think. Uh, the head coach, uh, I can't think of his name now. Was it Parcells? Parcells. Yeah. yeah, he was the head coach. I try to forget his name too. Belichick <laughs> was the defensive coordinator. So of course they they know it's two rookies on. So they line up, and I look and I see LT and Carl Banks, and I'm like, I've never seen this before. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, what do I do? Because both of them rush the passer so it just messed with my head and I was like 
I finally made a decision. I said, well, I'm going to just take the inside guy. And I think the inside guy was Carl Banks. And what he did, he just stood there and LT shot straight up the field. And I think he <laughs> got the ball. So I'm coming to the sideline and Coach Sandusky is like, I can tell he finna light in my ass. So like, what the hell are you doing? I said, hey, man, I never seen that. I don't know what, I didn't know what to do. He said, well, you just sat back and you just take the inside of him. But it was just on-the-job training that just, Belichick was famous for that. Just show you something that you've never seen before. And if you couldn't adjust to it, that I'm just glad Dan to get hurt. But I'm telling you that, my brain froze up. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Wrong guy to freeze against, huh? Oh, Lawrence Taylor. It just showed you how much that everybody had talent and you had to prepare and you had to try to figure out, you know, everybody was skilled, but what is this guy's favorite move? What is he going to try to do? How is he going to try to beat you this and that? And then just trying to come up with a counter for it. So it was a lot more film study that I was used to, but that's what you had. That's what I had to get used to. Yeah. What about um, personality wise? Who, who was the talker in that group? Who was, you know, were there any great, uh, I'm obviously the Bruce Smith pointing at you coming out of the tunnel was pretty fantastic, <laughs> but were there any other guys that, that had some moments like that? Yeah. I, I would say trash, the, the best trash talkers I played against and not directly against was of course John from Minnesota and Warren Sapp we used to work against Tampa Bay all the time Warren Sapp was he'll give you some of the best one lines you ever heard in your life but um <laughs> but he wasn't giving them to you no 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 he wasn't giving them to yeah, me yeah I know he, he had respect he for you here you know so um <laughs> We were to the interns. Juice, yeah. Juice was there. It was a Monday night football game. And oh, there was Juice there. I'm trying to remember. It was Monday night football game. We were playing against Minnesota. And John Rounders was over there. And uh, Chris, he was he was an offensive guard center for us. He went to um, Seattle after this. But he, he came out oh, of Chris Gray. Gray. Chris Gray. Chris yeah, Chris Gray. So we in, we in the huddle, like TV timeout, whatever. So John Randall hollers out, David Duke. So <laughs> Chris kind of freaks. He's like, man, why did they do? I said, hey, man, don't listen to nothing that dude saying. He just trash talking. And that's how they would get in your head. They would find out stuff about your mama, your kid. They would talk about anything that just try to get you out of it. I said, hey, man, whatever he say, don't listen to it. He don't mean he's just trying to get you out of it. But John Rumble was that way. And he was that way even at the Pro Bowl. And most times the way the Pro Bowl worked was – the first half was kind of, it was up-tempo, but the second half was balls out. But this guy, we were in the huddle, and uh, Steve Wisniewski, another mm-hmm. Penn State guy, good guy, just now, and uh, he's out there yelling out, ah, I said, the game just starting. <laughs> so he got the face paint with stuff on, and uh, right. him and Wisniewski got into, got into it, and it turned into only you would play a couple of series and come out. It got to where Wisniewski didn't want to come out because they were going back and forth. <laughs> he got and in his head in the Pro Bowl. Keith Sims actually got a chance to really just relax and watch the game because those two <laughs> were going back and forth. He's like, yeah, go ahead and get you another series in, big fella. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to chill over here. But it was just, man, John, he would, he would come up with some stuff, and I'd be like, man, this dude is great guy off the field. But if you had to play against him, it was just – he was just nonstop. If he thought he could trash talk you and get you out your game, he'd definitely do it. Love man, Webby. Yeah, that's awesome stuff, man. You, you know, Webby, you're one of the most modest guys we know, man. You know, and from day one down here in Miami, man, you started every single offensive snap your rookie year, you know, gave up a couple sacks, you know, only had one holding penalty. You talked about those Pro Bowls with the seven straight. You know, why were you, why were you so good, man? And how did you make the game look so easy? So easy, man. You made it look easy. It, it, it must have looked easy to y'all. You know, 
I think, you know, like most of the time we would never watch film with you guys. So I I could appreciate like I like going through training camp. I mean, I know I would get tired of stuff like that, but y'all would be over there doing all those seven on seven plays. I see mean, how can those guys run all day long like that and get tired? So I think it was just appreciation for even though I didn't play receiver or running back or I had different appreciation for it because I'm like, yeah, we get up and bang, but we got to go three or four yards. You know, y'all might run 25, 30 yards down the field and got to come back and do it again. I was like, man, I'm kind of glad I play offensive line because my mentality, <laughs> I, I can't keep running down there and y'all ain't going to throw me the football or something. We're we going to have a problem <laughs> sooner or later after that. Hey, what about sometimes these wide receivers come and they, they got that crack back on the in-man in line scrimmage? That was kind of nice for you too, huh? You know, you know I used to love because a lot of times you would come in motion and me and Keith would pull and you would you would take that guy out. I don't forget about that. You, you, know, <laughs> you got receivers that don't mind blocking and, and putting their body up like that. You you one of us, Juice. You already know that. So yeah, <laughs> you're honorary lineman. You you probably the, the finest, the best built lineman because you know we got a little stomach. <laughs> you you the perfect prototype. So yeah, he, he definitely had the best twelve minute runtime of any lineman. I think. That was nightmares. And then they bring in this guy from University of Virginia, John Gamble. Now that's <laughs> John comes up with the 300-yard shuttle, mm -hmm. and not two, but three. Now, Juice, you probably made all of them. I hated him. That's the worst I, one ever right there. I called it seven minutes of hell. You would run, you get two minutes rest, you run another one. But on that third one, Juice, I could go up and back, and, and my legs was just gone. I was running. I don't know how, but I never made three of them. It, it was just – I was a bit – yeah, oh, John. John's like Richmond, right, Juice? Like, hey, yeah. big fella. Hey, big fella. You know, hey, he, big fella. He's a, he's nice in you to death, and meanwhile, he's just dominating you the whole game. You know, same kind of deal. Too funny. So Richmond, what the, you know, and again, you're being modest, just like you said. But with the the kind of success that you had, and certainly early on, and again, you know, protecting Dan Marino, which was clearly the goal there, uh, coupled with the quality of person that that you are. And we're going to blow your head up a little bit here. But when you put those things together, I have to imagine you were a Coach Shula favorite. Like, you know, I, I have to imagine you had a great relationship with Coach. But what, you know, tell us what that relationship was like. And was there ever a moment where maybe you got yourself in a little trouble with the coach? Yeah, I got myself. Second year, I got myself. <laughs> okay. Like like Juice just said, played my rookie year, played all the snaps. And, and we went and played the Raiders in Tokyo. We had five preseason games. So. I partially tore my PCL in that game. So I had this big brace on that I had to wear. I had to wear it the whole season. So uh, I actually missed the first two regular season games of my second year. So I came back and, of course, trying to work back into it. And so anybody that knows Coach Shula, he reads the paper. He reads anything that's in it, whatever, it's snap, blah, blah. So it's Harvey's fault. We'll blame Harvey. <laughs> well, the thing is, the guys are always asking you, are you 100%? Are you this? Are you that? And so I'm like, no, I'm not 100%. I'm 80, 75. You try to put a percentage on, you just know you're not 100% healthy. So sitting over there at St. Thomas in Malacca, the next thing, I think it was around lunchtime, and somebody says, hey, Coach Shula want to see you. <laughs> Anytime Coach Shula want to see you, it ain't, it ain't a good deal. So No. <sighs> I'm walking back there at first. I was like, man, you won't see me. I said, I ain't did nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> I go back there and then, you know, you sit down and he's intimidating. He's staring you right in your eyes, you know, just saying, like, what the hell is all this you put in the paper about you're not 100% and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, 
Well, I'm not 100%. So he starts chewing my ass, right? And so me, I was young, kind of immature. So I, I get sensitive. I get moist. And so it's not. <laughs> I said, Coach, somebody else, you put somebody else in there. You know, I'm, I, I can't take too much. I was like, man, you're drilling me. He said, no, 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 no. He said, no. He said, what you got to realize is everybody is playing with some type of injury, hurt, or whatever. He said, you got to find a way to get through it, this and that. And so I just said, okay, or whatever. So I walked out of there. You know, I was pissed off because he didn't just ripped me up. But then after I thought about it, I could appreciate it later because that's what I really needed to hear. If I keep telling people, oh, I'm not hungry, it's like I was putting a target on my own back. Right. You got to figure out a way because I'm like, I'm going out there. You're going to play. So ain't no need to crying about it or making excuses for it. Find a way to get the job done. And that's what, what I did. I didn't appreciate it that day, but I think that is something I use throughout the rest of my career is you got to find a way to try to get it done. So. Didn't miss a whole lot of games. Took, it only took one time to his office, though. That's I didn't that. That was it. One and done. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. I never had to deal with that. Well, as you can tell, Webby wasn't wasn't a troublemaker, Big Seth. You know, he's one of the, one of those guys that you know did things by the book, did everything the right way. But we yeah. all know that you know, big fellas sometimes, Big Web, have trouble sometimes on weigh-in day. And Carl Tasser wasn't no joke <laughs> over there. I'm sure, right? Man, I'm gonna tell you this, bro. And, and, and Carl took that so serious. And it was, man, it was, I can't remember if it was training camp. We were still over at St. Thomas. And the way the, the scale was kind of like it was at um, over in Davie, except it was just, it was right by a little door that went to like the meeting rooms and the coaches office back there. So I had got there early and a lot of people don't know, you would try to sit in the hot tub at St. Thomas but you had to take an actual water hose, turn the hot water on, and run hot water in there to try to break the heat. The heater didn't work most of the time it was broke. So uh, I was going on like there. two or three pounds, maybe at least two or three pounds up, and I couldn't get it off. And I was sitting there freaking out. And I went over there, and it was close enough to the wall. So most of the time, Carl would have his glasses on, they'd slide right down the tip of his nose, and he would be looking at the um, – at the scale, see where you weigh. So what I did was I got real close to the wall and I, and I put, if Carl was on this side, I put this hand on the wall. <laughs> I tried to squeeze my fingers to take a couple of pounds off, which I was doing. I just couldn't get it to be still. You know, it kept flushing. <laughs> so, hey, what the hell is going on? This man looks like, hey, oh, you're man. cheap. So I was like, damn. So he ran back there. And, <laughs> oh, and then I had to, I was like two or three pounds off. It was like $50 a pound, but hell, I didn't want to pay $100 or $150 if I didn't have to. It wasn't much money, but it was just, you never wanted to be overweight because Coach Shula would, at the meeting, at the team meeting, he was like, well, <laughs> plus two or plus three. I'm like, I want everybody to know I was overweight. He was announcing it to the whole team if you were overweight? Yeah, man, Coach Shula took oh. man, so. That's got to be some human resources violation these days, oh. man. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, Coach, Coach Sanders comes out and says, hey, don't fuck with Carl on that. Well, if you're awake, just, you know, do it. He said, but don't do that. He takes that serious, which he did. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I couldn't get it. I was trying my, my fingers. So I just couldn't get it to be still. I was like, man. But, well, know, Richmond, from what we understand, it wasn't just Coach Shula who you didn't want to know about uh, weigh-in day. Um, you know, we've had a couple different guests on the show that were around during your era. Uh, okay. One was Lewis Oliver, who said that his locker, that he loved weigh-in day was like, like, 
Saturday Night Entertainment. Right over by the like, DVs. He loved Wayne Day. And, and Bobby Monica was another. But Lewis Oliver said that one time both you and Keith, uh, I don't know which specific time this was, but both you and Keith were, um, it was more than two or three pounds, you know, that, that, you, that you hadn't met the number. He said Bobby came out and asked what you had for dinner if you had eaten spaghetti and bowling balls for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I, I remember that story, but it wasn't, it wasn't me. I'm going to tell you, it, it was Keith and it was Gene Williams. Oh, I, man. It, it, was, it was really dirty how they did it. This was, this was how they made their weight. Once you make your weight, it's supposed to be over with, right? Right. It's supposed so, to be. Normally, once we make our weight, we had a feast sitting right there by That's our, right. You know, where we right. That's right. We, we'd have made it. Well, I think right before the meeting, they made them weigh in again, you know what I'm saying, to check their weight. So then they, they well, were like, Why would they do that? That ain't right. The, no, that isn't right. do If Coach Shula say do it, you got to do it. Yeah, I guess so. So they did it, and uh, I think it was like seven, eight pounds up. And it's like, <laughs> same thing. Coach Shula comes in. Uh, yeah, he weighed his weight, but then he was a plus eight or a plus seven up in front of everybody. And it's like, oh, well, bowling balls will do that to you. They, they will. They will. <laughs> Kentucky oh, that's too funny. Yeah, like Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever. You know, we Mimi, remember Mimi sandwiches and yeah. all kinds of stuff. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, you know, definitely the Coach Shula story is a great one. And you've mentioned it plenty of times here. There's another Dolphin icon that you were uh, affiliated with, and that was Dan. Uh, obviously, we understand what your responsibilities were in protecting Dan, but what was that like playing with him? What were the, I always like to ask guys what those huddles were like. I mean, Dan does not lack for confidence nor does he lack for letting you know about yourself if, if he uh, felt you needed to hear something. Did that ever happen where, I don't know whether it was you or maybe another lineman on the team where Dan, you know, you come back to the huddle and Dan might let somebody know about themselves. Oh, yeah. You know, Dan was Dan would always, you know, he would basically, he might tell the receivers what they need to do, this and that, the route. That was, that was the fun thing I can remember when I first got there and we'd go two-minute drill. And he would call like, I think the protection would be like 86 or 87. Don't know all the routes, but I know it's four wide. But then he might say, okay, two-minute drill. We got a minute and a half. We got to go say 60 yards or something. And he would say, okay, Duke, run a takeoff or Duke, do this. If this guy plays you this way, then you run this route. Okay, Clayton, you do this, boom, boom, boom. If he does this, it was always like he would tell you what to do, but he would give each receiver a different option just in case that guy was playing them a certain way. So now you still got to go through your progressions, but then you got to still look at the defense and say, okay, it's still four different guys, but okay, if he does boom, 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 and he can still do that just like that and get the ball off. So that's what was that's crazy. amazing to me. And then, you know, sometimes he'd throw the ball too far down the field and he'd be running us, hey, get your ass up to the line. Come on, come on, come on, go, 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 come on. Like, man, you been through it 40 yards. You, know, you make a guy miss this and that and you get out of bounds and – but but that was that, that was Danny, you know that that was it. But yeah, yeah. Danny was Danny was he was he was he was good in that two minute drill, man. I think we all were, and we uh, we put a lot of emphasis on that. Yeah, we put a lot of emphasis on that, and we know how important it is before the half and definitely before the end of the game, man, to get out there. And, and that was part of that that conditioning, Big Web. You know, three hundred yard shuttles come in to come in handy. It, it came in handy, but you know you, you know you get to the sideline, and then I guess y'all would look at the sheets. We kind of just grabbed the whiteboard, draw it up, and but then every now and then Dan would look at the sheets, and then he'd come over there and say, look, if y'all give me some fucking time, I can kill these guys. <laughs> like, 
okay, man, all right, okay, okay, we got, we got, and then people like, man, what was he saying to y'all? I'm like, I'm not gonna tell you what he was saying to us. <laughs> if he chewing us out, he wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people watching the game, they would see like a sideline, they might shoot to it and say, hey, what was he over there? It looked like he was fussing at y'all. I was like, man, I don't know what he was saying, but we won the game, that's all that matters. I, I wouldn't, can't reveal all the secrets and this and that. You don't want to let everybody know you get chewed out all the time. But it yeah, and if you hard. reveal, you end up getting called back to Coach Shula's office. You you learned that lesson man, already. I, I'm telling you, that took <laughs> one time. That was it. I said, man, I'm not coming back here no more. <laughs> well, it looks like you had uh, looks like you had Danny's back in more ways than one. I did a little research into what you said about the salary when you got there. Looks like he was making one uh, well, about one and a half million in 1990 but I guess that 12 and 4 season helped him out because he bumped up to 5.1 for 1991. Did so, they ask for a cut I think, Richmond? I see you yeah. big sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. You know the, the thing was if, if a guy got paid I was happy you know didn't matter who it was but um, I know OJ was OJ yeah 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 OJ was there because um, we were at Davey. You remember we brought in Michael Stewart and Gene Atkins. Two safeties. Gene Atkins, yeah. Gene Atkins, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Gene Atkins. So I think they had written an article in the paper where they listed all the players' salary, this and that. Well, someone gave their opinion of some guys are overrated, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So we're sitting in a team meeting, and uh, all of a sudden, Gene just yells out, Pussy, get out my pockets. Yeah. Just go, get your hand out my pocket. You remember that? You remember yeah. that? Get your hand out my pocket. Yeah. So at first he did it. I think he was trying to see how Coach Shula was going to react and Coach Shula didn't say nothing. And then he like goes on his tirade and he turns around and just like clock rate, he's looking at, looks like me and Keith Sims. And I don't think Keith said it, but I believe Gene thought Keith had something to do with it, which I don't think he did. <laughs> Because it was a source in the paper. So he goes on this big tirade and uh, he's looking at me and I was like, man, you know, Gene, I knew Gene, but Gene was kind of crazy. You know, <laughs> he had got into a, um, I remember it was a scuffle on the field with, uh, remember the tight end Koontz? Remember, yes. remember Koontz? And I remember they was fighting and next thing you know, he said, man, you got my nuts, you got my nuts. <laughs> he was trying to get away. I said, Gene don't win at any means necessary. So, I'm thinking, I was like, man, I got to go talk to Gene because I don't want no problems with this brother because I know he's crazy. So yeah, I waited a little bit and I said, hey, man. I said, hey, dog, we good? I said, hey, man, I don't know if you think that was me, but I ain't got nothing to do with it. He said, no, no, I know what you I said, okay, I just, as long as me and you is okay, I'm good. But I was like, I, I tried to avoid confrontation. It don't look good if you're a big guy. And you actually some kind of way get whooped by a look like you just, you just <laughs> go so, I, he had that, that Bruce Smith look in his eye for, when man, he came out for you and Keith. Gene was a different character, man. You know, yeah. I, matter of fact, I met his son, Geno Atkins, at the draft last year. player. But uh, no, nah, he was a good brother, but yeah, he just, man, he was, he was something what? else. Hey, but lesson there, Webby, is never talk about anybody else's money, right? I, I Farm that. your own land, right? Yeah. Farm your own land. I think if I don't know if it was that or something else, but I think that made him, and we'll hear about it because he listened to the show. But uh Gene then took issue with whoever wrote that, which you know, he went after Jason Cole in the locker room, I believe, as well. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> he ran by him and knocked him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it might have been for the same thing. Yeah, I forgot about that. You sure right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gene had one hell of a day that day, didn't he? He, he? he said, I know you had something to do with it. I don't know who the source was, but he, 
he, yeah, I remember that. He, 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 he knew he could go to that part. He couldn't figure out. So I guess so now we know the other side of the story. What's the real story, as we like to say on the show? Right. So we, you know, unfortunately for Jason, he had to take one for the team, and 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 Gene, uh, I guess, let all the media know how he felt about you know covering him, but. Uh, I didn't know the backstory, so I didn't know that he tried to go through Webby and, and Keith first to find out. Well, who... he, he was staring, you know, we said so. Gotcha. And, and then Coach Hill was like, hey, if, if, you, if you don't say something about somebody, be, be man enough to put your name paper. He's staring at Keith. Right. And Keith was like, I didn't say anything, but everybody thought. Nobody was, wanted that smoke, man. Everybody. <laughs> A lot of people thought it was Keith that actually said something, but. I said, I just got to make sure that Gene don't think I had something to do with that. That was, that was my life. Oh, <laughs> <He> went, <man. laughs> he's silly, but except for here they said they, they're always attached at the hip. So, of course, Gene was looking at both of them because they're right. right beside each other. Couldn't look at one without seeing the other. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. That's what it sounds like. And you know where they were sitting. So, if Richmond was sitting here, you know Keith was right here, right next right, to him. Right. Like oh, man. Hey, so, big fella, one of the things we like to do on the show some, uh, at times is um, – we like to find a signature play in a guy's career and, and almost break down film a little bit and so that so that they could, could see what, what the fans have seen and walk us through what happened. So we're going to play a signature play here, and if you could just kind of walk us through what we're looking at here, just to kind of give the fans a better idea of what's happening. Okay, okay. I Preach. Preach has got that. Oh, no, man, you wrong. Man. <laughs> hey, and fans, you hey. like that line, you know you want to dance, so move. Out of your seat, watch the other team because they're going to get feet fans rolling. Hold on. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought I was y'all boy, man. You had a glove that came out. Oh, <laughs> man. Hey, Keith was right there, too, Jules. He was right there next to right there. <laughs> oh, man. Richmond, walk us through that. Man, somebody found that on YouTube. Said, man, <laughs> they should have burnt that thing. I was like, man, why did you stop? I was like, man, my kids saw that man, and they rode me so hard. Like, that ain't right. <laughs> hey, so, so. <laughs> The Zubas, the, too. Did you wear the Zuba pants? You didn't have none of them on. No, nah, I didn't get any. I, didn't, I wasn't blessed enough. You ain't I got them on in this picture behind it, me here. You ain't going to get to it anyway. Man, <laughs> oh, man. This is back in the day, man. man. Richmond, so, you know, having been a PR guy and having to bring things to guys and saying, hey, we got this guy who wants to do this thing. You don't have to do it. How in the how the hell did you – I mean, what, what was sold to you that you said, yeah, you know, this is kind of cool? I'll give it a shot. It, it, it was, it, I think it was everybody. It was a lot. I think Higgy was in there, some of the D-line. They took clips from everybody. everybody. I, you oh, know yeah. what I think it was? No. Trying to be a star instead of just staying in my lane. <laughs> <laughs> I should just said, nah, all this thing. Like, no, you're wrong, huh? Video, this and that, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, we're getting a video. I oh, didn't think they were going to be showing us breaking it down like that. You know, it was oh, some other clips. Man. I'm like, of course they put that in there, but yeah. Oh, big yeah, he was moving, Jules. Editing, because y'all would have never saw that. That's 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 more Zuba's ever been seen on screen with no Danny. <laughs> that was a lot of Zuba's for mm. sure. Thanks for being a good sport, man. Yeah, really. If, good sport if we did it. this in person, I don't think I could have pulled that off. I'd be. You know, he's got that long reach. Love, it's love, man. Uh, nothing but love. You know we'll that. We gonna have a good time, man. Life too short. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Big Webby, man. But on a serious note, man, I know we were, we were both blessed with a lot of great moments, man, and a lot of great memories in our careers, man, and a few different honors. And you got a lot way more than I had. But some of the, one of the guys we worked with, we both really enjoyed together, man, is a guy named Scott Chase. You know, tell me why Scott was so important to you and talk a little bit about, you know, the impact you made on your life. Well, he was, you know, he, he worked with community relations. And, uh, man, I used to give him a hard time at times, just joking with him. But I think mm-hmm. he kind of finally figured it out. And uh, he was – 
I guess since he had cystic fibrosis, he was always, they would have a, a charity event, this and that. He'd be like, hey, you come to Vienna? I'm like, no, nah, I'm not coming. He's like, what? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I, I ain't going to make it, man. I ain't come to that. And so I let it go for about a day. I said, no, nah, I'll be there, man. I'm just messing with you. But, you know, I just had an appreciation for him because I knew at times he would be in the hospital for weeks at a time, just depending on his situation or whatever. And then I remember he drove uh, like a little three series BMW. But then that's when they came out with the Dolphin plates. And I think, Juice, did you have a Dolphin plate on one of your cars? I did. I did. Um, say, um, yeah, BMW. Yep. 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 Because I remember the, uh, I remember when you first got, you had the little Typhoon. I did. Damn, Webby. Right? Yes, I remember that. Because you know why? I wanted one of those because it was fast, <laughs> but I was too big for it. So I had to live through you, brother. They got small cars. <laughs> you, know, told me that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I said, I see you. Hey, when you went to buy a car, did you and Keith go together to make sure? <laughs> no, man. It's, it's just, I, man, I, I get it. I'm just, I like I like Corvettes and stuff. I just know I can't fit in them. Love but it. I love the way they look. So no, I'm sorry. Know, I don't mean that. You were talking about Scott. Up. I knew it was fast. This and that. And I was like, man. I said, why don't you just get that? And I, like, I want one. But I know if I pull up in this in this parking lot and I get out of a top <laughs> and Lewis and Jarvis and all them guys, you know, <laughs> They're not going to let me live it down. So I had to kind of quietly live through juice, you know, back then. But anyway, so what I noticed was, I said, man, Scott got a dolphin plate, but he had my number, 78, right? So I said, man, cool. He took my number. I said, okay, I ain't tripping. I ain't going to get no deals. Because we was cool, this and that. And so just always had a real good relationship. And then, you know, he passed away. And then I was talking to his parents after the deal. And she said, you know, he, he was his favorite player. And I'm like, what? Wow. And it, it, it kind of shook me up. And I was like, man, I said, he was a good dude. I, I wasn't mean to him, but it was just like, you never know how people hold you in high regard. And I was just glad that I handled that the right way with him. But he was a great guy. I had a lot of respect for him. And for you to be dealing with it, uh, medical issue like that, you know, come to work, because he would come to work every day. Only time he wasn't there, he had to be really sick. Mm-hmm. And, and and I just, I just, man, I just always respected him for that, so. Yeah, and I always talk about I, Scott like that too, yeah. Webby, because I always say that, you know, Scott always was, go- what he was going through, but he came in that locker room with a smile on his face, you know, know, willing to take the jokes that anybody was coming at him, man. And we sit there as athletes, professional athletes, making a lot of money, and we used to bitch and moan about the littlest things, man. But Scott was always that guy that, that put things in perspective for me. Oh, oh, no doubt, no doubt. I think everybody kind of felt that way, but he was – that was just – man, I remember he was, he was, he was a good dude. I, I won't forget him. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, you talk about um, people holding you in high esteem, Richmond, and uh, I don't know that there's anybody who's ever met you or watched you play that doesn't hold you in high esteem. Uh, And one of the conversations that that comes up a lot, and I've never really talked to you about this, and it's kind of interesting because the last time I saw you was in Canton, uh, but it's the Hall of Fame talk. And I I think it's safe to say, speaking for my my co-hosts here, that we all believe that you should be wearing a gold jacket. Uh, Big one, double-breasted, big, lots of material. We all believe you should have one. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and I and I know that Dolphins Nation feels that you should be in the Hall of Fame. What is that like? You know, is that something you give any thought to? I mean, you're always so uh, respectful of everything and everyone. And I, you know, I'm not asking you to tell us if you think you're a Hall of Famer or not. But do, you know, when they send out that list every year and your name's on the initial list, how how closely are you paying attention to that? Do you ever look at guys who are in the Hall and and think about where you fit in that space? Oh, I, I think I. I think my career definitely warrants, you know, being in there. Um, 
I, I see some guys that watch it and then they try to be little guys that actually made it in. But I'm like, if you made it in, you're deserving. But um, I think uh, I think I had that type of career. I just hadn't made it in yet. And it definitely helped. Uh, I remember when JT went in and he, he gave me a big shout out and stuff like that. And there are other guys that um, even like Zach, you know, he's still waiting. So I just tell guys it's a process. And I think I got a shot. If it happens, cool. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to let it drive me crazy. I, I can remember uh, Chris Carter before he made it in. It, it, it seemed like he would almost go into a state of depression. And I'm like, bro, you was one of the best receivers in the game. You're eventually going to get in there, but they can only get five or six guys in there at a time. So if it happens, I'm good, but I, I'm not going to let it drive me crazy. It, it means more to me when people like you and guys I played against validate that you know I was that type of player so that that gives me comfort that I don't have any control over it, and most of the guys that vote on it is media guys so unless one of those guys really make a push for you or a great argument I'll just wait and see yeah I, I just don't get it man I really don't man you talk about the Pro Bowls and starting from day one down here protecting the Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino going against guys like Bruce Smith you know Reggie White John Randall uh, we talked about guys like Kevin Lloyd and I mean, you know, are you Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green, those guys too that you went against in Pittsburgh? Dominic, how has it not even already happened for a guy like Richard Webb? And I'll tell you the reason it hasn't happened, Webb, because you are humble. You don't go fight this battle through the media. You don't fight this through Twitter or anything like that. You just let things happen the way they happen there. But I guarantee Richard Webb will be in the Hall of Fame because beyond deserving. Definitely deserving. And, that, you know, he's talking about mostly the, the media guys that are, that are doing the voting. So, you know, we had Armando Salguero on the show, Richmond, and Armando is the – he's the voter now in South Florida. He's had that vote for, for a handful of years. I don't even know if you know that. Yeah, I know, um, I know Armando. Well, I know you know Armando. I didn't know if you knew that – because Edwin Pope was, for, for the longest time, was the guy. Okay. And, and then uh, he passed the torch to Armando. And, and, and Armando um, – takes great pride in it and, and really a professional approach to it. And I got a chance to work with him during JT's process uh, just to kind of see how much it mattered to Armando to, you know, I think some guys, they have the vote and well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say what other guys do, but I know, I know how important it is to him to do a good job in the process. And maybe we need to connect the two of you. Maybe you guys need to have a conversation. That sounds like a plan. I'd definitely be willing to do that. Yeah, we'll let him get through the draft. He's writing about 700 articles a day right now, as many picks the Dolphins have. But you guys should talk because, yeah, I'm with you, Juice. I I mean, if you look at the things they talk about, there's the obvious. I mean, it's a little trickier, right, with linemen because you can't Mm -hmm. count touchdowns or what have you. But, you know, there's longevity in the career. There's uh, all of the consecutive Pro Bowls, the, the durability. Did he make people around him better? Absolutely. So, I mean, you check all those boxes, Richmond, and we'd love to see it happen for you. Not that we have any skin, you know, any way to make it happen other than I definitely will be sending a text to you and, and Armando. I, I will be connecting you guys for sure. That sounds good. I appreciate it. Every cool, little man. Every Hall little of Famer on and off the field. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely he is. And we appreciate you, Blow. You know, I, I don't know that anybody's uh, amplifying us on Twitter more than Richmond, man, That's every right. time we push out an episode. So appreciate the love on, on social media. And uh, I know we've talked about this for a long time, so we're excited to finally get you here in the tank. And I can't wait to get in the editing room with Leon and cut this thing up so we can we can get it out there. And, and no, we're not taking out the dance piece, man. I, I, I'm not taking that out. <laughs> I ain't got no problem with that. that, that I, I think you should leave it in, yeah. That's the icing on the cake. So yeah, you're a good sport, man. Thank you so much, Richmond. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, man. Y'all have a great day. Hey, thanks for diving in, Webby. You're now diving into the fish tank.
down with Seth living. Seth. OJ, Ju Juice Woo! Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans. Number one, one. of course, y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk. Dive up in that fish tank. Go get your aqua orange. Yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rockin' with OJ and Seth when we dive up in that fish tank. Uh, uh, uh. Fans with attitude, we okay, better dive up for in them that fish tank. Celebrate big or cry hard. Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard. Old school, a new school, mix it in. Feeling like we up close when we listening. Dolphins tales in Miami is the deep end. We vibing with our favorite players, no secret. We get with Seth and McDuffie, bringing up stories we never heard to the public. Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget. We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset. We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans. And if you ready for that water, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans. And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about them fans You looking at that fish tank It's time to dive in fish tank. Go get your aqua orange Yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank It's only legendary talking When you dive up in that fish tank